Welcome to the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Hagen, a nutrition coach, entrepreneur, food freedom expert, and forever a recovering disordered eater. I am here to help you own your enoughness, find your very own food freedom, and achieve your health and wellness goals in a way that gives more than it takes. Each week, I will provide you with insight and inspiration surrounding no-nonsense nutrition, mindset, motivation, body image, confidence, and other wellness wisdom. Callie, first of all, thank you for coming back on the show. It's amazing to see your smiling face again. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. We were chatting not too long ago, but even before that episode was released and launched, we thought, oh my gosh, we could have talked about so much more. We need to connect again. And since then, that episode we did, I actually looked it up, episode 74. We talked (laughs) a lot about stress and burnout, and that episode is one of the most listened to episodes. My goodness. So clearly, you're a rock star and people love (laughs) listening to you, but also, Stress and burnout is so relatable for us right now. This year, especially 2020 is a knockout. Sure. For sure. Yes. We were just saying it, it's prevalent (laughs) and it's, I think it's, I think everybody can identify with it on some level now, but I think women, especially the expectations with career and childcare and going back to school and the uncertainty of all of it, um, women are in this unique position right now where um, you see it across all statistics where um, they've been expected to put their careers on the back burner because of COVID um, and become full-time moms and stay-at-home moms and, and teachers and, and all the things of, all, uh, of everything. And so I think like burnout right now in particular is... Um, we're all going through some form of it, for sure. (laughs) Understatement of the year, yes. Mm -hmm. And with that, the one thing we didn't get to dive into last time, Callie, was talking about this somewhat taboo topic of sex. People don't like to talk about sex, or some people don't, but we want to (laughs) because we work with a lot of female clientele, and there's a lot to be said about hormones and burnout and sex and the relation between all of that and nutrition and gut health. So we want to dive into that deeper today, but before we do, for maybe new listeners, Kelly, can you give us that brief introduction? Who are you? What do you do? Well... I'm Callie Exis. I uh, live in and work in Brooklyn, New York, and I'm a registered dietitian as well. I have a private practice and I specialize in women's health and hormonal balance, um, specifically around burnout and how to instill healthy, positive nutrition and self-care practices that can help women recover and then prevent burnout, but more specifically within, um, you know, burnout has a biological impact. So working specifically with the hormones that are involved with burnout as well. So yeah. All the goods. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Callie, when we talk about burnout, a lot comes with that. And in episode 74, we talked about what are some of those red flags? What are some of the symptoms? What are some, I don't want to say easy, but what are some you can do these right now steps to help Mm -hmm. manage your burnout. But the one thing we didn't get to talk about was how burnout affects libido. 
And I'm sure you've heard this from some of your clients, but a lot of my clientele right now are sharing with me, like, I just, I don't feel like myself and I'm definitely not in the mood like ever. And I want us to talk about that. And first of all, normalize that these things are okay and it's all right to feel that way. And then maybe to help some of our listeners figure out what they can do. Like what are the controllables that they can take action on from their own homes? So before we dive into all the nutrition nitty gritty. Can we talk about libido for a second? Tell us, is there a normal, like are there red flags when it comes to sex drive? When we know, hey, there maybe is something going on here, like maybe this is an issue or is it different from person to person? I don't think that there's any, you know, we can't define normal for another person, right? So like everybody's different in terms of sex drive, libido and and what what they find pleasurable. So, uh, I don't, I don't necessarily think there's anything that's normal. That being said, if you're feeling off from your normal, then, you know, that's a discussion that can be had. But in terms of defining a normal, I I don't know there. I, 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 and I can, I'm not a sex therapist. So like, (laughs) I don't know. Um, I know from personal experience being burnt out and that certainly will shut down your libido pathway when you are not taking care of yourself, when you have no space or energy to even invest in yourself or think about being in the mood. Like if you, if you're chronically stressed, that will certainly impact libido. But, um, from an individual standpoint, you have to think about what's normal for you and not feel like you need to compare yourself to your friend or what whoever else might be talking about their symptoms or libido or lack thereof. <laughs> I love that you specified that, Kelly. I was actually listening to a podcast episode and it was featuring a, a physician and she was talking about how a lot of the times women will go to their doctors and say, I'm feeling off. Like I just, I'm not feeling like myself. And maybe they'll run a blood panel and say, well, everything's normal. You know, like all you're ticking all the boxes, but if you are feeling off from your normal that's valid and that's okay. Like, and we want to dig into that a little bit, even if maybe all of the the health markers are in the normal range, so to speak. Absolutely. Uh, And I deal with this so often with my clients as well in terms of hormonal balance, like not all tests tell the whole story. Right. And so sometimes we, we cannot test for low grade stress or you just knowing that you're not yourself. Um, And every woman and every person deserves to be heard in terms of how they're feeling in their body. And so with that, I think that there has to be a level of awareness and checking in with yourself too. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we, it gets so far gone where we're so backed up in this, this stress cycle or the loop that it's hard for us to even realize, Oh man, <laughs> I'm off. (laughs) I'm not happy. Things are crazy right now. I need a minute. I mean, I, even for myself, I had this experience recently where, um, recently my husband and I went away, uh, for a long weekend and we were riding a bike and it was a country road and I live in the city. So this was lovely. And the wind was like in my face and I wasn't for once hot (laughs) and sweating. Um, and I just like this bike ride, I was like, wow, this feels so good. And then I was like, oh shit. I haven't been this happy 
in a really long time. And so that realization, I was like, okay, I need to go back and, and take care of myself. I need to take responsibility and acknowledge that something's off. Absolutely. You and I were talking about this a little bit before we went live, but now we're in August of 2020 and the, the trauma has become like chronic stress. So everyone is stressed and is feeling that burnout, but it's been going on for so long that now it feels almost normal. Right. And it, yeah, it takes maybe an, a moment like that where you're like, wow, why do I feel so much relief? Like, why do I feel happy right now? Oh my gosh, I haven't been myself. Yeah, it's exactly that. And so I think, you know, taking being purposeful in taking care of yourself, setting rituals and routines is really important right now. Um, you know, another red flag might be if you're in constant trauma mode, inability to be creative, to be inspired, to um, have goals, to think about the future and what you want. If you're just like, oh, well, what do you want to, you know, like a year from now, what do you want to do? Well, I don't, I don't even know, <laughs> you know, the, the inability to kind of dream um, is a sign that you're in burnout mode. And, and so taking a moment there to even explore that avenue of things, the mental capacity, the mental aspect of all of this impacts the physical aspect of all of this. If you're not able to be creative, well, that's a sign that things are getting shut down on the, the sex pathway too. Yeah, absolutely. No, and I can relate to that. I think the difference for me is I realize I'm living for the day. Like, how can I just get through this day? That's what I feel when I'm, when I know I'm a preaching burnout or I'm definitely in burnout versus, Hey, like what are the goals and the plans and the aspirations that I'm really excited about working towards? And so I think a lot of our listeners will be able to relate to that. And it, it makes sense, Callie. I think most people tuning in will understand. Yeah. Well, when I'm burnout, obviously I don't really feel like getting freaky and Okay, but can you tell us like what is actually happening there? Like with that libido pathway, how does burnout affect sex drive? Right. And so, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a biochemical mechanism where um, serotonin, dopamine, um, a lot of these neurotransmitters, one, they're synthesized in the gut. And also, too, when we're talking about elevated stress response, we're talking about elevated cortisol. And this can impact the the way neurotransmitters um, kind of are released regulated and then, you know, synthesized even, especially if gut health is involved and you're experiencing loss of IBS related to your anxiety right now, that's going to impact certainly sex drive from a very biological standpoint. Um, and then from the stress pathway as well, shutting down that it, it, it impacts estrogen and progesterone. So it's shutting down that pathway. And if you feel if your hormones are whacked out, um, this is going to impact your your libido from that way as well. Mm. So it's from a neurotransmitter perspective, a gut function perspective, and also from a cortisol to um, estrogen, progesterone perspective and testosterone as well. So if we're noticing this lack of sex drive from burnout, I would hypothesize that we need to address the burnout in order to change the sex drive, right? Absolutely. 
last time we talked about helpful things like meditation and walking and yoga and therapy when I are big advocates of therapy, um, and <laughs> building that balanced plate. So yeah. what maybe would you say, let's start with the nutrition side. How yeah. does nutrition, like how does what we eat, how can it help us recover and heal burnout and, or well, hopefully and improve our sex drive. Okay. So, I mean, you can, you, you would address this from several different factors. So like one, the liver detoxification process, which is in charge of metabolizing hormones, specifically in women, estrogen is what we're going to talk about here. Um, and so I would say making sure that you're supporting your liver function is going to really help in, in helping your body heal and from burnout, but also metabolize extra inflammation or toxins related to hormone buildup. Um, so from that perspective, you're going to want to make sure that you're hydrating, you're eating lots of high bioavailable protein sources because those amino acids are super important in that metabolism process. Um, and then healthy fats and antioxidants. All of these reduce inflammation in the body, but specifically they also help with um, helping the liver, supporting the liver detox. The liver is one of your, it's like the most important hormone, or sorry, not hormone, organ <laughs> um, in the body. And so, you know, from a vibrant standpoint, things can get clogged up, right? The liver can get really sluggish if it's bombed down by lots of inflammation and stress. So you're going to want to support things there. But then also from a gut health perspective, because food is so important in terms of, you know, it's, it's our first line of using energy, using nutrition to build materials that the body needs in order to stay regulated and, and to thrive. And so if your nutrition is off there, if your motility is off there, it's going to impact your body's ability to synthesize those materials that help you thrive. And those being certain neurotransmitters, um, immune function, immune blocks, um, building blocks. And then in terms of if you're backed up, you know, if you're having constipation, if you're having diarrhea from IBS, this is certainly going to impact your mood from a physical standpoint. So, um, Thinking about, again, hydration, fiber is going to be super important here. Fiber is like number one in terms of gut health for me and my clients, working with my clients specifically. I do recommend at least 25 grams a day, 30 for women for sure. Um, and what fiber does is, one, it, it helps with motility, keeping things moving. So it helps from that physical standpoint of you feeling like you want to get in the mood, but two, from a, a gut microbiome standpoint, um, it can be really helpful in um, having a microbiome that's diverse, that helps the body actually regulate and make these materials, these neurotransmitters that have a very direct impact on how the brain works in order to regulate libido. Um, and so Fiber is going to be awesome. Again, high bioavailable protein sources so and, and um, healthy fats are very important in the synthesis of our cells, our hormones. Um, so from that aspect, having a varied plate that's full of color, that's full of 
fiber and has a healthy amount of fat and protein is going to be um, huge. <laughs> in terms I of nutrition. Echo that 110%. I know you and I have like infographics and we talk about this balance plate a lot. Mm-hmm. And I know it seems somewhat basic, but there really is a ton of power in making sure that, hey, are most of your meals balanced? Are you getting that protein that we talked about last time you mentioned how with burnout, carbohydrates are necessary? Like, do you have a smart carb there? Yes. Carbohydrates are your friend, especially with burnout you're dealing with brain fog, you're dealing with um, exhaustion, your body needs carbs in order to think and to show up and do the things that you want to do. And so depleting your body of energy, um, which it needs in the form of carbs, is only going to make your brain work harder, send you more into this brain fog exhaustion state and continue on that stress cycle. So making sure you're eating carbs not, you don't have to be keto to heal, but again, going back, it's about the balance, right? More than anything else. Absolutely. And of course that fiber we can get from all of our veggies, lots of colorful fruits and then healthy fats, great for hormone function as well. So obviously one size doesn't fit all right. Individualized nutrition is a really powerful thing, but I think that balance plate is where you and I would both suggest anybody start. Yeah. Absolutely. That's where I start with all of my clients. I don't start with tracking. I think tracking can be a data gathering tool, but it's not a long-term tool. I think using that balanced plate can be a really great long-term guide to help anybody feel like they um, are empowered in their nutrition choices and they're empowered in how they want to feel in their body. And talk about stress management, Catley. I honestly couldn't agree more with what you just said because when you're tracking when you're logging when you're weighing obsessively hello stressor so if you skip a day then you're like oh my gosh i don't know what to eat like you're just contributing to the stress that you already have plenty of so i think making nutrition a bit more manageable and easier more fun like hey yeah look for these colors look for these nutrients on your plate but you don't have to stress out about you know whether something is exactly a certain number of grams or calories or i think that's just honestly for me it felt so stressful when i was doing that my disordered eating days and i i see that with a lot of clients as well i have the same experience too like stressing about the number of points in your strawberry that's like raw versus in a smoothie right like i have i I still know certain amounts of points in foods because of being on weight watchers from a young age like that is so distressing on so many levels not for me but for you know so many women that are dealing with the extra stress added stress in their life we don't need those numbers in our brain we've got a lot going on we don't need to have that information um and when we think about it and that becoming uh you know our relationship with our body and our relationship with food becoming stressful um when it should be a joyous thing mm-hmm. it should be a sign of health and vitality um and i think we need to flip the minds the the script on, on a lot of that relationship and that mindset because the way women are taught to disassociate from their bodies and suppress their natural cues and that even goes with 
libido and how we're socialized in talking about sex or enjoying sex or how we see ourselves in our bodies related to sex, I think is part of it. Um, and we should be talking about this. We should be able to you know, celebrate the fact that we are sexual beings and it's not dirty. It's not, you know, a bad thing. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. Um, and it's very empowering. And so, yeah, I, that's why I think it's such an important conversation to have in terms of stress. Yeah. I think if we could just create a relationship that does with our bodies and, and our food that doesn't involve stress, a lot of other stuff, we would be able to solve. Callie, I want to take us in a slightly different direction, but before we go there, do you suggest any supplements? You talked about that healthy microbiome. We talked about the balanced plate, but are there certain circumstances where maybe a supplement can be beneficial to gut health or is that not something that you recommend? Um, in terms of probiotics, I do recommend, you know, eating probiotic rich foods. Um, the jury's out on whether a probiotic supplement can be helpful. I think that, again, it goes back to the individual. You can always get a GI map test and see if there's an imbalance in your microbiome diversity, in which case then you can recommend specific types of strains of probiotics, which could be helpful for you. Again, the jury is kind of, we're still discovering more about that science. So specifically for microbiome, we need more research. Your best bet is to eat a variety of probiotic-rich foods and prebiotic-rich foods, which is that prebiotics contain that, that fiber that your microbiome, the bacteria, really love to eat. Um, it's their favorite food. So <laughs> if you're going to go that route, I think including a variety of those types of foods is going to only benefit you. Um, in terms of other supplements, it really is about the individual. Um, if you are dealing with estrogen dominance or low progesterone related to that stress and cortisol pathway, then it's, it's important to, especially if you're in burnout mode, support your body, in which case certain individuals will maybe need, um, specific types of supplements. I do generally say like, especially around now when everybody is so burnt out or in trauma mode, a multivitamin specifically made for women can be super helpful to your period health, your hormone balance. And at the end of the day, this impacts libido. So yes. I'm glad you said that. I actually just had a client ask me this morning, Hey, do you recommend a multivitamin? And I said, you know what? My first line of defense is always, let's look at the diet first. Let's look at what we get from nutrition, but absolutely. It can be a helpful supplement, especially if you're hyper stressed or you don't think you're getting enough of something from your diet for whatever reason. Yeah. I, I say, yeah, especially for right now, if you're in burnout, mode, it's impacting your ability to absorb nutrients and make certain things and regulate those functions. Your, your liver may need extra support. And so, and your immune system may need extra support. So yeah, viewing, I view supplements as a support. They're not, you're not going to take a supplement and solve your problems. <laughs> 
that's not going to happen. But, so no big promises there, but it's a nice to have. <laughs> so Kelly, I want to hit on something you said earlier. It was really powerful and I don't want us to skim by it, but you were saying, Hey, sex isn't this dirty thing. It's not something that we need to like talk about in secret. And what I would add to that is sex, pleasurable sex, isn't reserved for a certain body type either, which I think is a common misconception. Like until I look like that, until I'm this size, this weight, look like her, I can't possibly enjoy intimacy. And I think we need to talk about this because I think it's something so many women battle. And when I have clients who come to me who want to lose weight or want to lean down, oftentimes they will bring up how it's causing a barrier in their relationships because they don't feel confident in their bodies and they struggle being intimate with their partners. Can you speak to that a little bit from your coaching perspective? It's hard for me to speak to it because at some level, I mean, it's about that person being comfortable in their own body, right? And so we need to kind of go in and say, okay, well, you know, again, I'm not a sex therapist, <laughs> but what I do teach a lot is self-care, self-love, self-respect. And part of that is enjoying being in our body finding ways in which you can enjoy and find pleasure being in your body. Um, and that doesn't mean in a necessarily sexual way, but it can be a sensual way. And, you know, tasting your food, listening to music, dancing around, you know, putting lotion on even, it can be a sensual experience. And, and when we pick up our heads from, you know, all the checkboxes that we have to have to do in a day, if we just took a moment to kind of be in the moment for those things, it may help move the meter forward in terms of you being able to enjoy being in your body and feeling sensual. It's not necessarily even about the carnal sex part, right? So true. I think a lot of it circles back to body acceptance and mm -hmm. us waiting to reach a certain destination on the scale, in clothing, whatever it may be, and feeling like, well, my body's not good enough or my body's not worthy enough until I reach that destination. And instead finding small ways to, I don't know that I would use the word love because I think for a lot of women who struggle with hating their bodies, loving their bodies feels like a really big leap, but even just being body neutral, like, hey, this is my body and I'm gonna find a way to care for it and act out of respect for it today. I think that's a lot of where the insecurity with being intimate with yourself or, or with a partner, right? Like it right. stems from. And we all are entitled to be, to find happiness in our home. And if we can envision our body as some sort of home, how you talk to it, how you touch it, how you connect with it, how you listen, all of these aspects impact your ability to respect your body or even be neutral in your body and not judge it. Mm. Callie, I'm sure this is something that you have used before as an online registered dietitian and a nutrition coach, but sometimes I think how we talk to ourselves and how we talk about our bodies has become so automatic because we've conditioned it for years or decades, even in many cases, we fail to acknowledge it. 
So sometimes it's hard to listen to that voice and the hateful things that I might say about my body or someone might say about her body when she gets dressed or looks in the mirror. And sometimes you have to, I think what's helpful is remove you from the equation and say, would you ever say that to your daughter or your best friend? Like if they had some type of insecurity about their physical form, like what might your advice be to them? And then kind of flipping the script and teaching your brain to talk to your body, right? Talk to yourself like you would someone else you love because it just feels so foreign to talk to yourself in a body that you grew up learning how to hate. Right. Right. It's, it, it really is important to acknowledge because sometimes we don't even acknowledge those thoughts as the, and feelings as we see them as fact, right? They are judgments. They are, and, and a lot of those thoughts are just not based in fact they're based they're not based in any sort of like factual sense or even with concrete judgment right or so thoughts are just thoughts and we can let them go and they don't have to determine anything about us and our worth and our relationship to our body and the other people around us and our environments um and so recognizing those thoughts as not necessarily fact you're entitled to your feelings of course but emotions also are not necessarily facts either um and so coming at it from a non-judgmental perspective of you know if you're saying i hate my body i hate my body okay well why okay why okay why okay why it's not it doesn't have to be a judgment of i hate my body statement done whatever no no other case no other facts no other no other conclusions right it can be you can here's the thing you can hate your body and be many other different things <laughs> and and it doesn't all these things can coexist at one time I think one of the most important pieces of information I've ever learned was realizing that not everything my brain processes or thinks is truth. And I think a lot of times we just walk around in life with that understanding, like, oh, this must be true. It, it's not. It's our job to process it. I actually think this is like an Instagram meme that I saw once, but our thoughts need to be treated like ads that we see on social media. And if it's not something that we know is rooted in truth or is going to be helpful or uplifting, we just need to keep scrolling. Like we need to just delete it, unfollow, whatever, and not just accept and feel and own every single thing that we think or hear, because you're right. A lot of those thoughts and negative self-talk are rooted in really unhelpful and untrue stories and scripts that we were taught from childhood on up. Yeah. I think like, okay, I don't like my body. I don't like how I look, but I, I am still a sexual being. I'm still essential. You can be both of those things, you know, at the same time they can exist and one doesn't negate the other. Right. Absolutely. And I can want to change certain things about my body and still love respect and accept it as it is right now. Yep. Totally. And that will only further help you be in the mood. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's bring this full circle, Callie, because I have seen you post about hormonal birth control before. And I myself am really interested in this topic, but I know many of our listeners will be interested to hear more as well, because you have talked about, obviously, we are not saying that anyone's you know contraceptive efforts need to look one way or another. Obviously, that's an individual choice completely. But 
hormonal birth control can interfere with gut health as well as some other things. So can you walk us through hormonal birth control? Like what's, what's the research on it and how can it impact our bodies positively or negatively? Well, I, I agree with you in the sense that I'm never going to be a person that's ever like telling somebody not to, not to choose a method that works for them, right? And in certain cases, hormonal birth control can be a great, great way to improve somebody's quality of life, especially if you're dealing with endometriosis or heavy bleeding and, and certainly long period periods, meaning menstrual cycles. Um, so there's that, but we also do, whenever you're taking a synthetic hormone, it will impact other regulatory systems in the body. And what we have seen is that, um, the pill specifically does suppress the absorption of certain vital nutrients. Um, and over long periods of time, this can create inflammation in the body or dysregulation, and it can shut down libido. It can have, um, impacts on motility and gut health. It can impact gut health from a microbiome standpoint and create like an imbalance, a dysbiosis in that micro, in your gut bacteria. Um, it can also, again, affect that liver detoxification process and impact cortisol levels and insulin regulation. Um, these are just some of the ways in which the pill may impact people. Um, and the fact of the matter is that we don't actually have any real long-term research that's definitive because our generation is that long-term research. Um, and so what we're seeing is that more women have more autoimmune onset illnesses. They have more inflammation, more stress and cortisol levels reduce libido, burnout, all these things. And it's possible, PCOS as well, like it's possible that the pill does play a role, especially if you're dealing with PCOS, one of the root causes can be post-pill PCOS, which is high levels of inflammation, that dysfunctional thyroid. Um, all these aspects are, or functions in the body are impacted because it's all connected. Mm. Um, so if you're a person that is on the pill, has been on the pill for a while, has been feeling off, doesn't really understand. Um, I know from personal experience, I was on the pill for a very young age, experienced gut imbalance and um, IBS issues, um, certain levels of inflammation. And then I, I went off of it and I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> things are different. Um, but nobody, no doctor is talking about this with young girls when they're going on the pill. We're going on the pill at, you know, 13, 14, 15. And, and nobody's, nobody's educating these young women about what some of the signs are to look for in terms of health and well-being. And also I want to say like a lot of women are prescribed the pill because their periods are off because um, P uh, they have PCOS because of, you know, their skin, but the pill does not solve the root cause of an imbalance. The pill is a, is a bandaid over the root cause. And so it doesn't fix any of those problems. And if you ever decide to go off, oftentimes those, those issues may come back and they may come back in a more severe way. So to say that the pill is like this, this cure-all medication 
for women with hormonal imbalance or girls with hormonal imbalance that are experiencing dysregular cycles or whatever unregular cycles is just false. And it's a disservice to women, in my opinion. <laughs> I would agree with that opinion. And I, I think, Callie, there's the medical field's default seems to be the pill. And there's not, at least in my experience, there were no alternatives offered. Right. And I think that's confusing, right? Like, hey, here's this medical professional that I trust and I've grown a relationship with, perhaps. And here's the one option that you're giving me, but without any real concrete evidence of maybe what the repercussions might be. And if I have any other options. Mm-hmm. And then there's the, okay, I've been on this for ages, which is a conversation I've had with many clients. I'm sort of scared to come off. Like I, I know it's, it's not feeling great for my body, but what do I do? Like, how do I safely transition off the pill and what are my other options? Right. And so with that, I would say ensuring prior to deciding to go off the pill, ensuring that you are supporting your body and ensuring that you're taking a specific, in this case, I would suggest taking specific supplemental protocol so that when you go off your symptoms aren't as severe because there is that post pill rebound effect where you may go off and then your hormones have to kind of like level out and and kind of get used to themselves a little bit more and this could take three months it could take a year um and it depends on again many different factors not just like you going off the pill and, and it, you know, it can be impacted by your stress, by your sleep, by your nutrition, by your environment, by your job, by all these other aspects in your life, depending on that rebound effect, right? That rebound effect. And then all these other factors will impact your rebound <laughs> from going off the pill. So before decide, before deciding to go off, making sure that you know, maybe you want to work with somebody or making sure that you're taking some sort of care of your body in terms of reducing stress, making sure you're eating a varied and um, balanced plate is going to be super important. Making sure that you've instilled rituals and self-care practices to help you manage symptoms and then a supplement as well could be very helpful in you coming off the pill and not being like, what is happening? <laughs> Kelly, have you ever read the period repair manual? I haven't. I've read a ton of books on period repair, but I think that is one that I have, but have not read. <laughs> I think I, I looked it up, so I'm not misquoting, but Dr. Laura Bryden is the yes. author. Mm-hmm. And that was one that I, I recently started diving into because as I started getting a lot of client questions, I wanted to be more educated on you know the answers I was providing. And a lot of what you said is echoed in her book, The Period Repair Manual, talking about, hey, you don't just want to like rip the Band-Aid off. We want to make sure that you're appropriately taking care of yourself and you're supplementing. And she does go in-depth talking about PCOS and alternate options. So I would absolutely echo, you know, anyone thinking, Hey, maybe this isn't the best option for me. Working with some type of coach or healthcare professional who can help you would be highly advised, but also maybe doing your own research and education, doing a little bit of reading about it. I think it's just one of those things that like, why are we not talking more about this? Like there's talking about it. It's so, so many women in the world. <laughs> We're like 50% of the population. 
we deserve to have more conversations about these kinds of things. (laughs) Absolutely. We deserve to know and understand our bodies and on a very intimate level and connect with our bodies. And part of that is understanding our cycles. It's it's understanding our hormones. It's understanding our sexuality. Um, And, you know, kids these days, they shouldn't have to go to YouTube to get their sexual education. Um, That's the saddest part of it, right? Like, have you heard of WAP? W-A-P? No. Well, apparently, and I haven't watched it, but it's a, it's a, it's a, um, I think it's a couple of women and they're rapping about (laughs) sex and hormone and and just like a lot of like sexual things. And, and basically girls are going to it to learn about sex and their bodies and people are up in arms. But the problem isn't that this exists, right? The problem is that girls these days have to resort to YouTube to get their sexual education right. and learn about their bodies. That's the problem. Let's fix that. Mm. Um, and it makes me, that's what fuels my feminist rage in all of this. <laughs> Girl, we can go on and on about this because I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, I remember like looking up websites when I was young because I grew up in a very conservative Christian community. Like birth control wasn't even talked about until you're married. And right. like, this is not, you, there was no like, hey, you're a woman. Let's learn about your body. Here's what, you know, I had the talk with my, my right. parents because they were great parents. But beyond that, there was no information outside of like high school sex ed, which is a joke, at least in my experience. Yeah. And if you think about it, like, were we ever taught about how to taught about our own pleasure? I think a lot of women grew up not knowing how to please themselves Mm. um, and what pleasure might feel like for them. And for everybody that is different. Um, and it is not dirty. You are not dirty. If you masturbate, like find your pleasure. You want to get your libido back, know how to touch yourself, know what feels good, like connect with your body on a very intimate level. And I, I think that people, we need to normalize this so that people feel safe in their bodies and they feel secure in their bodies and they feel empowered in their bodies. Yes. And I think empowering women to do things just for them. And we can apply this to like, Hey, masturbate, figure out what you like. And we can, you know, apply it to the bedroom or or anything sexual in nature. But then also I think women are culturally conditioned to be like the servant and you have to do things for others and constantly put yourself at the bottom of the totem pole. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm constantly preaching the opposite to my clients because at some point you have to prioritize your needs or else you're constantly going to be burnt out and stressed. And yeah, I think that's just, it's majorly lacking. And I think more people need to be talking about female pleasure and how it's okay to explore and figure out what feels best for us and our bodies and how our bodies are not simply in existence for the pleasure of others. Absolutely. We are not tools for others' pleasure. Um, And I think a lot of us view that, that our bodies as on some level as that. Um, and your pleasure matters. And the more you know about what you like, the more empowered you're going to be in your, in, in your sex life. And if you, you know, if, if you're dealing with low libido, the way to start is to feel good in your body, find ways to feel good in your body. Find uh, again, it doesn't have to be sexual at first, if, if that's the end goal, then it doesn't have, you don't have to start with sexuality. You can start with just 
massaging, taking a nice long bath, um, being naked and dancing, whatever, like you do you. <laughs> Callie, let's end on a climax. Speaking yeah. of, tell us about <laughs> orgasms because they can be great stress relief too, right? Like tell us about that hormonal process. Oh man. Well, okay. I have to go back to like my research, but basically orgasming is really good for burnout, burned out women. Um, and so it, it definitely, it has a, you know, you release, um, a lot of tension when you orgasm, it releases oxytocin, which has the ability to impact gut health, but overall like hormonal balance. Um, it helps regulate blood glucose and insulin levels. Um, and so orgasming is great, not just from a, like, uh, this is amazing, it feels good standpoint, but from a, a real biochemical health standpoint. Um, and so if, if you, things are in cobwebs for you <laughs> and you're dealing with lots of trauma and inflammation, orgasming can be really helpful in starting that healing process in your body. Um, from a blood glucose level, from a enjoyment level, from a mental health level. Wishing everybody less stress and more orgasms for the yeah. rest of 2020. Amen. I, yes, please. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, I feel I'm like get on that. <laughs> <laughs> There's not much more we can say uh, beyond that, but I do want you to let us know where can we find you. I will, of course, drop your Instagram handle in the show notes below so people can follow and see all this great content that you are sending out day after day. But anything else, any other way that we can reach you? Uh, yeah, so you can reach me on Instagram, womanup.wellness. Um, uh, I'm also, I have a website, calliexis.com. Um, and you can email me as well at calliexis.com. Um, but I'm out there, so use Google <laughs> and you'll find me. <laughs> Thank you so much. I love having this conversation. I think it's an important conversation and I think, you know, it's an empowering conversation for women out there who need a leg up. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Thanks for having this. I want to say hard conversation, but it really isn't a hard conversation to have. It's just one that not many are having. So yeah, thanks for being willing, Callie, I really appreciate oh. you. Always willing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the health, wealth, and wisdom podcast. If you like what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and then head on over to nutritioncoachingwithnicole.com where you can sign up for my weekly emails where I send out my favorite tips, tricks, advice, and support every single Monday morning to help you kick your week off right. Thanks for listening. Until next time.